0: It's here. You've been waiting for it all week. Locked On LSU's Caroline Fenton is here to talk about the game breakdown. We're going to look at both angles of it, both perspectives, and get ready for one of the greatest college football rivalries in college football. Hey, this is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast.
1: You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day.
0: All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis, at the Stephen Willis down below. And I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. As you can see below the lines, they're all come courtesy of betonline.net. And I want to let you know that they have you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's BetOnline where the game starts. Also, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, upvote the video itself, comment, participate in the conversation, and, of course, hit the bell for notifications of new videos when when it comes up. Without further ado, let's get right to it. It's the crossover game breakdown-ish episode of the Locked On Ole Miss podcast right here, right now. All right, it's crossover time. Um, Stephen Willis from Locked On Ole Miss. Caroline Fenton from Locked On LSU. We are going to give you a nice game breakdown this weekend in Baton Rouge. This historic rivalry, another edition is about to take place. How are you doing, Caroline?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited for this week. I think that... There's so much hype surrounding this game, always, because it's LSU Ole Miss. There's always going to be hype around that game. But if you look at the SEC West right now, it really could be anyone's game. Ole Miss is running the table. You know, could LSU throw a wrench in that this weekend? I think that's an interesting thing to break down. So a really exciting game to look forward to in that this weekend.
0: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And, and if you can't get enough of Caroline Fitton, you can check our space replay, which will air tonight on the Locked On Ole Miss YouTube channel. Even LSU fans, check it out. Um, we we do a little bit of a deep dive into LSU's um, rushing attack. Now, Caroline, let's move into this week real quick. What are some headlines for LSU in this game?
1: I think the biggest story right now is Jaden Daniels. And how can it not be? Because he's coming off of a massive performance against Florida. 350 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, Over 100 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Jaden Daniels looked like a superstar in the swamp this past weekend. And that's the breakthrough that LSU fans have really been looking for. Because there were some questions about Jaden Daniels. And there were a lot of LSU fans calling for there to be a switch at the starting quarterback position. Now, that's not something that I ever agreed with, but I understood a lot of LSU fans' concerns. Jaden Daniels threw for 80 yards against Auburn and it's not like Auburn is any sort of you know defensive juggernaut so a lot of people have been wondering was Jaden Daniels what was holding the offense back that we have this deep core of receivers with Kayshawn Booty and Jarae Jenkins and Jack Besh, you know all American wide receivers that just weren't being utilized I think a lot of people looked at Jaden Daniels you know reluctancy to throw the football as being the reason why so i think the biggest story is after such a huge performance against florida it's can Jaden daniels do it again the question is was florida's defense just that bad that Jaden daniels was able to kind of take advantage of it and have a big day in the passing game or is it you know this offense has finally clicked that it took seven weeks for this offense to learn itself to learn each other to gain some confidence to you know, build some chemistry, and something just clicked, and that's the LSU offense that we can see moving forward. We're going to get that answer this weekend against Ole Miss. I personally think that the truth lies somewhere in the middle, but that's the biggest story right now is Jaden Daniels, the offense as a whole, is this Jaden Daniels? Are we going to see this from Kayshaun Booty moving forward, you know, his best game of the season coming against Florida? Are we going to see this offense click like it did against Florida, or is it going to fall back into, you know, some of its – offensive woes that we've seen throughout the season you know, against Auburn, against Florida State, against Tennessee, so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, you know, you're, you're talking about the Jaden Daniels stuff. The Ole Miss side is on the defense side of the ball, but it's the run defense. Um, it, after what happened with Auburn, Auburn running for 300 yards, will LSU be able to replicate that? And, you know, will, will Josh Williams and John Emery have a big day against this Ole Miss run defense? Now, Ole Miss was without Cedric Johnson last week who was their best defensive player. Um, Troy Brown was a little bit dinged up. A couple of their DBs. It's it's just that part of the year where they get a little bit difficult to deal with and injuries start to mount up and things like that. But it'll be interesting to see if Brian Kelly decides to, you know what, we're going to try to run the ball and see if they can stop it first and then maybe take a little bit of the game plan out of Jaden Daniels' hand. I'm I'm not expecting 350 yards against um, Ole Miss. Ole Miss, in this defense that they run, not many people throw for that many yards against Ole Miss defense. Last year, Bryce Young threw for 170 yards and, and a touchdown and a pick against this pass defense. It's hard for quarterbacks, especially the first time they see it. So the way you attack it is essentially power running. So like John Emery, the big, big, strong running back. Josh Williams, I think they're going to try to do that. Now, Kentucky tried that, and... Chris Rodriguez ended up 18 carries for 70 yards. Auburn tried that, and Tank Bigsby is still running for touchdowns on Ole Miss's defense. So it'll be interesting to see if which way LSU leans with it. Now, this isn't something that LSU does. That's the difference between them and Auburn and, and Kentucky. So they would have to try and implement it for the week, a package of it. But I think they're going to try that, Carolina
1: and if uh, and Brian Kelly probably watched that old Miss Auburn game and saw how well Auburn was able to run the ball mm-hmm. LSU's been able to run the ball very well so far this season. And also, you mentioned John Emery, um, Josh Williams, two great running backs. But I also look at Armani Goodwin, who's a player who's been out for the last three weeks with a hamstring injury. Um, He's been practicing this week. His status for Saturday is still kind of up in the air. I don't know if we're going to see Armani Goodwin, but that's another running back to kind of look for and has been a, a really strong running back who's been able to to contribute a lot in this run game. But what Brian Kelly has wanted to do is, is have a more balanced attack, because I'm sure that Lane Kiffin wants to make the same adjustments in the run game that Brian Kelly is probably going to want to make watching what Ole Miss did against Auburn, I'm trying to take advantage of that. And I think that Lane Kiffin looks at this LSU team, a really talented running team, not just the running back core, but also with a very mobile quarterback, something that I don't believe Ole Miss has seen yet. such a mobile quarterback, I would look at, you know, Hendon Hooker, Anthony Richardson, and Jaden Daniels being the three best mobile quarterbacks in this league so far. Almost his defense hasn't seen that yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, Jaden Daniels run the ball as as well as this running back core as well. And I think, too, the the difference between, you know, Jaden Daniels against Florida and the passing game against Florida and what we saw there wasn't necessarily the stat line, because I'm with you. I don't think Jamie Nantle going to throw for 350 yards. I don't think you're going to see him do that very often, if yet ever again. But it's the difference of confidence and being calm, cool, and collected. That was really the difference for me because, yes, 350 yards, that stat line is outstanding. But it was less about that and more so the willingness to make those risky throws. It's what Brian Kelly was urging him to do all season long was, I want you to be a little bit more risky. I want you to take those 50-50 balls. I want you to throw the deep shot. And if you, you get intercepted, then you get intercepted. But it's better to do that and to go for it rather than to step back and wait too long in the pocket, defer to your legs and get a gain of three. Or to step back in the pocket and get really nervous and you get sacked. So I think that's another thing that we've seen from Jaden Daniels. And maybe that was a product of, you know, growth throughout the season. Maybe that was a product of Florida just didn't get a lot of pressure on Jaden Daniels. And he felt comfortable dropping back and being able to throw a 54 yard touchdown pass downfield. I don't know the answer to that. I think we're gonna see how that kind of, how his evolution really has, how far it's become against Ole Miss. But I think it's the the confidence that we've seen from from Jaden Daniels that's the difference rather than the stat line.
0: Now, Jaden Daniels as a quarterback, Is he somebody that you might see his confidence be a little bit fragile? If something bad were to happen at the beginning of the Ole Miss game, let's say he throws a pick in the first couple of drives, would that affect him the rest of the way, or would he just um, wash his mind of it and keep going?
1: I think it's something that he would wash his mind of it. He has a short-term memory in that sense of if he gets sacked, throws an incompletion, throws an interception. That stuff doesn't really necessarily seem to shake him. Look at the Florida State game, for example. I think that's one LSU game that probably all of college football watched. Jaden Daniels was running all around the field. He was getting Mm -hmm. pressured a lot. But you saw in the fourth quarter, after three quarters of getting pressured, and after three quarters of wide receivers dropping balls, he was still able to come back and make that big fourth quarter comeback. LSU didn't come back to win. But still, he was able to kind of shake off what the last three quarters showed us. I think that that's looking at the confidence in kind of a micro scale of you got sacked and that'll kind of rattle you for the rest of the game. I don't see that from Jaden Daniels. I look at it more on a macro scale of confidence, and I mean that of confidence and chemistry with the wide receivers, confidence and chemistry with the offensive line, chemistry between the offensive line itself. LSU hasn't had a lot of consistency within the offensive line. I believe they've only had two games where it, they've had the same personnel on the offensive line they've dealt with injuries they've dealt with just you know play players trying to figure out where they work best in the offensive line so when it comes to confidence it's not necessarily getting shaken up by a play it's more so just trying to figure out who he is within this offense and building the chemistry with the receivers that was a big problem with kayshawn booty It was a question that i was asking myself a lot of other sec fans were probably asking themselves like kayshawn booty was supposed to be this receiver that everyone wanted to watch. He was, you know, it was appointment watching with Keyshawn Booty. And this year it wasn't necessarily the case. I don't think that Keyshawn Booty lost his talent. I think it was Jaden Daniels and Keyshawn Booty just didn't have that chemistry and they started to build that.
0: Yes. Anyway, um, when we come back, we are going to talk about the keys to this game and which side, which way each team can win this game. So we will look at that. But right now I want to let you know about my cousin Chris. He suffered from excessive underarm sweat for ten years. I know Chris is gonna love me telling this story, but he was so worried about sweating through his dress shirts that he started tucking maxi pads into his shirt to soak up the sweat. It's crazy. Until he found SweatBlock. SweatBlock changed the game for him. Now Chris was able to fix his problem with SweatBlock. But SweatBlock was created by doctors to help with his own excessive sweatings. It's a doctor-created and doctor-recommended profit product. So if you or someone you love or is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON, that's two words, LOCKEDON, at sweatblock.com. And it's also available at Amazon. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss and Locked On LSU podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Something I do, the LSU folks might not talk about that, I I want a five-star review from you from iTunes and Spotify. doesn't matter what you say, just make sure it's a five-star review. That way, when people search our podcast, when they search Ole Miss podcast or LSU podcast, it comes up in the Google machine, and all of a sudden it's there front and center. If you could do that for me, it would be uh, much appreciated. Anyway, Caroline, so we're talking in the first segment about some headlines of each team, and we're going to move into some keys to actually winning the game this segment. Now, the way I look at it, the key for Ole Miss winning the game is how well does Ole Miss run the ball? Because if they do what they did against Auburn, LSU is not winning this game. Ole Miss isn't losing if they put up 450 yards rushing on somebody. So, what is LSU going to do to basically contain Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans? Not necessarily kill it. Make Instead of 300 yards rushing, it's 230, 240. I think at that realm, it's manageable for a little bit. But the key to the game will be Ole Miss running against whatever LSU is trying to do to stop it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that is my number one key to the game. And every Friday before the game, I say three ways LSU could win, three ways that LSU could lose. My number one way that I think LSU could lose is if they don't stop the run. And that's a really tall order when you're not just stopping one running back, when it's not as simple as just stacking the box on one side and containing one running back. You just mentioned it, the tandem that Ole Miss has in the running game is probably the best in college football. And I would say easily the best in the SEC. So that's my number one key to the game is LSU stopping the run. And what we've seen so far from LSU is that they can stop the run pretty well. We saw that was Brian Kelly's number one key to beating Auburn was containing Tank Bixby. And LSU was able to do that fairly well. It was just, they weren't able to stop the passing game. And that's how Auburn stayed in that game. Robbie Ashford, for some reason, looked looked like the highest trophy candidate against LSU's uh, passing defense. Well, that's something that I brought up with you in the lockdown now, or excuse me, not lockdown now,
0: <laughs> the Twitter space, space.
1: all yeah. these, all these different things are in my head. <laughs> um, you don't know which LSU you're going to get. And that's in all three phases. Defensively, one day they can be really good at stopping the run because LSU is really good up front. You got B.J. Ojalari, Allie Gay, Harold Perkins, these really big body, tough defenders that can stuff the run probably better than anyone in the SEC. But then sometimes I'm like, well, where were they? Why weren't they able to stop the run? And then sometimes the secondary makes great tackles, and LSU's opponent can't throw the ball very well. But up front, they don't get a lot of pressure. So I think that's the key is it's, it comes down to B.J. Odilari. It comes down to Allie Gay, It comes down to Harold Perkins. It comes down to these guys on, on the defense up front to stop the run. And it's, it's going to be a very, a very tall order. But I think the fact that El, that Ole Miss's offense really stays contained on the inside. Um, it's not as much of a spread offense as maybe that we've seen like a Tennessee, for example, um, that's going to give this LSU defense a little bit more of an advantage because we've seen this LSU defense struggle with spread offenses.
0: Yeah. It, it should be kind of interesting. Another key that I have in this game is basically Jackson Dart because I tell people all the time, if Luke Altmaier would have won this job, the record for Ole Miss would probably be exactly the same as it is right now. Jackson Dart was recruited starting now. He they, they was recruited to win these games. Now, but the danger of that is, this is going to be the first time that Jackson Dart has played in the environment of Tiger Stadium. His road games this season have been Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt. Not exactly intimidating places. This next two road games, he's going to be at LSU over 100,000 people, in College Station over 100,000 people. And how those two games go determine how Ole Miss's season goes. Because honestly, not, not to put the cart ahead of the horse or anything, but if Ole Miss wins its next three games, it is going to win the West. It'll clinch on the field after beating Alabama with two, week, two games left to go. If Ole Miss wins their next three games. Now, that's a hard order, and odds are Ole Miss is going to drop one of those. But it's possible. It's there. Now, Bo Wallace was a senior at Ole Miss in 2014. Mm-hmm. And the atmosphere and the crowd and everything, he kind of lost himself for a second at the end of the game. Ole Miss ended up dropping that game 10-7. to Now, if that can happen to a seasoned senior, that can happen to a 19-year-old kid in his first real SEC road game. I think that is a major key to this weekend.
1: And that's something that LSU fans view as an advantage, always, is being able to play in Tiger Stadium. It's not an easy place to play. I also looked even more recently, last week, Tennessee, Alabama. I mean, those are seasoned veterans, and those are players on Alabama's side that have played in Nealon before, that have played in very raucous, sold out environments. And it looked like, at least in the first quarter, Bryce Young, an experienced quarterback, looked a little shaken up by that crowd. It's a very legitimate uh, part of this game especially when you're dealing with a, a quarterback in first year in the SEC. It was something that I brought up when LSU was on the road in Auburn was this is Jaden Daniels' first true road game because a game in New Orleans, that's not a road game. Uh, but this is his first true road game at night in Jordan-Hare. That's difficult. And this is his first true SEC road experience. So I'm that's a, a legitimate factor in this game here. As an LSU fan, it's not something that I ever – over exaggerate going into a game because i don't want to say that the environment is you know gives us an overwhelming advantage um just because i don't know what the preparation is going to look like i'm sure lane kiffin has done plenty this week to make sure that with the crowd noise and the the environment that this team is going to get up and ready to play but i think with jackson dart being a first-year sec quarterback that i don't know how much of a mental aspect that's going to play for him but i think that's another key for lsu is forcing Jackson Dart to do things that he's not comfortable with. I I feel like just from our conversations, some of the things that we've been dealing with with Jaden Daniels might kind of resemble some of the things that Ole Miss fans have been looking at with Jackson Dart. I don't view Jackson Dart as being the most reliable passer in the world. Um, especially with a lane kiffin offense that wants to throw the ball a lot that wants to air the ball out i don't know if jackson dart has shown that he can do that can he do that physically yeah i think he does have the tools to be able to do it i'm just not sure if we've seen that very much from jackson dart i'm not sure how much confidence in my opinion i have seen jackson dart have so if lsu's defense can kind of put some pressure on jackson dart and force him to make those tough throws that might be kind of 50 50 balls for him that's going to be a key for lsu is to put the ball in jackson dart's hands and if he, can, if he can win the game that way, then more power to him. Then I need to give him more credit than I'm giving him now. But I think that's what LSU wants to do is make Jackson Dart do things that he's not comfortable with. Take away the run game from Jackson Dart. Make him throw themselves to victory.
0: Yeah, and my final key for the game, honestly, is the fact that Ole Miss gets to play under Sunshine. If it was nighttime in Tiger Stadium, that would be an absolutely different situation. But a 2.30 game, now it's going to get dark at the end of the game, but the damage is already done then. That 2.30 kickoff is exactly what Ole Miss needed. We were hoping for 11. We couldn't quite get 11, but I can live with 2.30 in this game.
1: Who hopes for 11 a.m. games? They're just the worst. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how much of a – this was a conversation when Tennessee came to town. and I live in Nashville. I, I, my whole entire family went to Tennessee. They were all saying, I'm so happy it's a day game because that works in Tennessee's favor. And I said, while I'm with you, that nighttime in Tiger Stadium, Saturday night in Death Valley, that's a lot more intimidating than 11 a.m. Playing in Tiger Stadium isn't an advantage for any opposing team. So while it's not probably the same feeling, you know – Tiger Stadium after dark. It's not that 830 kickoff game that we saw in 2018, which was just absolutely ridiculous. I'm, I don't know how much I can, stock I can put into that because there is no noise ordinance in that room before sundown. Uh, but i look at one final key for LSU and that's cleaning up special teams. I mean, I, I am so sick and tired of talking about special teams. And I always say, if you talk about special teams, it's either because it's really good or really bad. And because of LSU, it's really, really bad. Muffed punts, dropped kickoffs, um, you know, blocked extra point, blocked field goal in that first game against Florida State, gave up a 58-yard punt return to Tennessee, an illegal formation on a punt return against Florida, just like silly, dumb things that LSU special teams have been doing that have been handing opportunities to opponents. When they muff a punt against Florida, Florida turns that into seven points. They drop a kickoff against Tennessee. Tennessee turns that into seven points. LSU has made things so much more difficult for themselves by giving up free yardage or free points on special teams. So that's my, another key to victory for me is just keep it clean on special teams. It's okay to fair catch. You got to tackle on a punt return. You got to get some pressure on a punt returner, but special teams has got to clear itself up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Let's talk a little bit about the line in this game. Right now, LSU's a two-point favorite over number 7 Ole Miss. I understand it's in Tiger Stadium. I understand all the mystique that's going on. This feels like a weird line. LSU's a decent team. They played well against Mississippi State. Tennessee kind of got them a little bit. And I think a little bit. People are, whenever, like Florida has the most losses, I think, in the SEC besides Vanderbilt over the last 14 games. They're like three and eleven in the SEC.
1: Is that true?
0: Yes, and wow. I think I think that people, whenever Florida wins or Florida loses, or if you beat Florida, Florida gets the benefit of the doubt on that. So, like what happened when Florida beat Utah, and all of a sudden they put them in the AP poll at like twelfth. You know, so stuff like that happens. So We're I think
1: talking about Anthony Richardson winning the Heisman after that game. Yes,
0: yes, he's going to be a top ten pick. All of this mm-hmm. stuff. And I think it's just because of the logo on the side of the helmet. And I I made the point about Auburn um, last week when Ole Miss plays Auburn. It's like, you play this team and realize you're playing a bottom third SEC team. Do not play the logo on the side of the helmet. Because if that happens, Auburn's going to be in the game. And Auburn was in the game. Uh, But this is a two-point line. The over-under is at 66.5. Ole Miss this year has been an under machine until the last two weeks. This is just an interesting line to me.
1: This, you mentioned Ole Miss being an under team, so has LSU. I would would hammer the under on this one because I I think it has the potential to be a very high-scoring game, but also I look at both of these defenses and I'm looking at both of these quarterbacks that have their fair share of things that they're trying to figure out, and I don't know how they can necessarily overcome that. But I'm with you. The spread has been very interesting, and Vegas, I always say Vegas knows something that we don't. So what do they know here? Because if I'm Vegas and Ole Miss is an undefeated top 10 team in the country and LSU is a team that has been very hot and cold, has been very up and down, has proven to have some fatal flaws, has proven to have some depth issues, and they got a first-year head coach. Those things come with a first-year head coach. I probably would have set the spread at like Ole Miss minus 4.5, and maybe that's even generous, to LSU. Um, so I, that this is interesting to me here, but it very much so is a what have you done for me lately? Leak. What LSU has done lately is proven that they have a passing attack. What LSU has done lately is proven that they can get things moving offensively; that things are clicking. What Ole Miss has done recently is give up a ton of points and a ton of yards to a really yes, not great Auburn team, oh, and I home, think that home. they look at horrible. And then look at the schedule as well. Look at the strength of schedule. That Ole Miss is undefeated. But how quality are those wins? You're looking at the Kentucky win. That probably looks a whole lot better after Kentucky was able to get a win against Ole Miss. You look at wins against you know, Vanderbilt, wins against Georgia Tech, and against uh, you know, Tulsa, close win against Tulsa earlier in the year. So I don't know if that's what they're looking at, that LSU has been battle-tested maybe a little bit more, has played uh, higher quality of opponents. But I'm with you. I wouldn't have picked LSU to be favored in this game just given the consistency that Ole Miss has shown with their coaching staff and the inconsistencies that LSU has shown trying to figure out who they really are in 2022.
0: All right, head on over to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks for making our podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, a new video up there, and participate in the conversation by upvoting and commenting on the video itself. We appreciate all of that stuff. But Caroline, now it's time to get down to the brass tacks in this game. How do you see this game going?
1: I think that this is going to be a shootout. Um, LSU has proven that they are a second half team. And I think that's starting to change. I think that against Florida we saw something click and I understand that Olmes is going to be a much more difficult hill to climb than Florida was. But I think that you're going to see LSU come out faster and stronger than they have all season long. I think you're going to see them, you know, battle more earlier. Ultimately, I do see Olmes winning this game, but I do see LSU keeping it close because I think that Olmes's rushing attack is just going to be too much for this LSU defense. And I, I think it's going to be close because I think that Ol- that LSU is carrying all of this confidence into this game after the Florida win. Because they're not thinking about Florida being a bad team. They're thinking about we just beat, you know, one of our biggest rivals. We just eat, beat an SEC opponent. Now we're 3-1 in the SEC against really good teams. I think that's how they're thinking about it. But I do think ultimately just um, with Ole Miss proving to be such a, a stout rushing attack, and LSU's defense being a little inconsistent in run defense, I think that's ultimately what carries Ole Miss to victory.
0: Yeah, if you look at it, I think the worst thing that could happen to LSU and the worst gift that LSU got this week was the fact that they're favored by two points. They needed Ole Miss to come down full of themselves. They needed um, people to put on the film against Florida State and see the problems and the inconsistencies along the way. LSU being favored by two is going to make sure Ole Miss is locked in. This is going to be the first game this year that Ole Miss has been the underdog in. And because of that, I think they're going to come out on fire. Ole Miss has put together no more than 32 minutes or so of a good game performance this season. They have not put even a complete three quarters together. I think this game, they kind of do. They, they kind of lock it in and do that. And if Ole Miss, like I said, if Ole Miss wins one of the next two, that Alabama game becomes nuclear. And we're going to treat it as such, so you can tune into the lockdown on this podcast for that. Um, But you guys get Alabama before we do, so you got that game. So, Bama's got, you know, before we get out of here, we're going to give our score prediction in a second. I have never seen, I don't know, well, I'm not going to say never, but in the last 15 years, I've never seen Alabama just slip up and just be on the edge so many times in a season. This is weird.
1: It's I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the personnel that these players just aren't as good as we've seen Alabama players be in the past. But then I also look at, you know, 2023 NFL draft projections. got a lot of Alabama Crimson Tide in there. And I don't know if it's, you know, the coordinators just aren't working out. I don't think it's any sort of shock to anyone that Bill O'Brien might not be an offensive guru that Nick Saban thought that he was. So is it the coordinators? Is it Pete Golding and Bill O'Brien? Is Is Nick Saban losing his touch? I don't know. Uh, But this Alabama team has proven to just not be as dominant, and not as disciplined. Like, what is with three unprecedentedly sloppy games in terms of penalties and turnovers? You know, 13 penalties against Texas, 15 against Tennessee, four turnovers, three fumbles against Texas A&M. Alabama doesn't make those kinds of mistakes. So wherever that comes from, and that sounds like a coaching issue to me, I think that's why Alabama
0: just hasn't looked as intimidating as they have in the past. Yeah. Um, the anyway. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're. It's all relative. Alabama is still Alabama. Um, but going back to this game real quick before we get out of here, I see this game as an Ole Miss win. I think Ole Miss wins this game twenty-seven to seventeen. That that is the range I'm putting this in. I think both teams are going to run the ball. Um, and um, Ole Miss is going to come out and be a little bit more effective stopping the run this week?
1: I'm just going to say 24-21 Ole Miss. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that. And I think that because I see LSU coming out faster. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very close game at the half. Maybe even LSU is up at the half because I think they've seen how much momentum they can carry over into the second half. They just don't dig themselves in a hole. So I think that's what keeps it close. But I think ultimately it comes down to a field goal in the last couple of minutes in the game. And I think it's really truly whoever has the ball last wins.
0: Yeah, that's an old Miss LSU tradition, honestly. It, it
1: really is.
0: <laughs> so anyway, um, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day host Chris Gordy and his local experts like us, Of locked on, take you across the SEC in thirty minutes. Make locked on SEC your second listen. It's locked on SEC. Caroline, thank you very much for coming by today, and best of luck this weekend.
1: Yeah, appreciate you. If you or any Ole Miss listeners are traveling to Baton Rouge, travel safe and enjoy your time in Baton Rouge. All
0: right, take care.